0: Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us again today. I want to speak a message today that I've entitled, Keep Putting Fat on the Fire. We're going to look into the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament today, to make some sense of that statement. And I believe as we do, it will cause a great excitement in your heart concerning your walk with the Lord. When we look at the Old Testament, we understand that the Old Testament speaks often in what we would term types and shadows. What do we mean by that? But there's a relationship between things that we often see in the Old Testament that relate to how we can experience God or know things about God now in the New Testament or in this new covenant life that we have with the Lord. Now we understand when we read the Bible, there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. We also understand that the Bible reveals that there was an old covenant or agreement between God and humanity and now a new covenant between God and humanity based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. But often when we look in the Old Testament, we can see certain laws, regulations, things they needed to do. And God doesn't want us to live in those rules and regulations, even some of the sacrifices that took place. He wants us to learn from them and understand what's been achieved for us by what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. So whenever you hear someone talk about types and shadows, what they're referring to is something that happened in the Old Testament that was a type of something that we experience now in the New, a shadow of substance. Now, whenever you have a shadow appear, it announces the coming of substance. If I walk into a room and the lighting is set in a certain way, my shadow will appear before me but my shadow isn't me, it's a foretelling of me coming, if that makes sense. So we read certain things in the Old Testament, under an old covenant between God and Israel, that speaks of us, that speaks to us today of things that we can experience or know, often in a different way. Let me give you a couple examples of these. The Bible speaks of a man called Boaz, and he was a kinsman redeemer, and he is a type of Jesus Christ who would be a kinsman redeemer for us. In the Old Testament, you read a lot about lambs and the sacrificing of lambs. Does God want us to sacrifice lambs today? No, what happened under the Old Covenant was a type and a shadow of the coming of Jesus Christ. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because Jesus came as a sacrificial lamb, not for a sin, but for the sins of the world. So when we look at what the priests in the Old Testament did with natural lambs, we see a type and a shadow of what Jesus would be and achieve for us. Another classic example would be the whole storyline or experience of the children of Israel in the Red Sea that moment when they're brought out of captivity and they come through a body of water. And in that body of water, they're not just set free, but they're set free indeed because everything that follows them in, the Egyptians, are drowned. And the, Israel- the Israelites come out no longer with um, slave drivers trying to repossess them. This is a picture for us of water baptism. It's a type and a shadow of what a person experiences when they go through the waters of baptism, that their lives have been set free from Egypt, but also everything that had a claim on them is drowned, removed, so that we can experience the freedom of Christ in its fullness. Now, when it comes to the law and things done under the law, we understand what Christ has fulfilled for us, yet we can learn and gain understanding by studying The things that we call types and shadows present in the law that are relevant for us today. But we must always read them in the knowledge of what Jesus has completed and finalized by his perfect act of sacrifice. He became the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. He ended the obligations of law and the requirements of the law. The law was fulfilled, not removed, fulfilled in him and what he achieved at the cross. Now, there's actually one sacrifice that kind of remains, and I want to talk about that in a few moments. Most, if not all apart from this one, were fulfilled by the perfect sacrifice of Christ. But there's one that's spoken of that really caught my attention recently. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, we hear a lot about tents. We hear a lot about altars. We hear a lot about fires on the altar and the burning of sacrifices. You walk through the book of Leviticus over and over again. You read about a tent. The tent was a place of meeting. The tent was a place of God doing business with man on the earth. <clears throat> there were always altars. Bring your sacrifice to the altar. There was always a burning fire that, as we'll read in a moment, had to be kept to light all day and all night. But how do we now see these things in our new covenant or the new testament life that we have with God well I really believe that there's a lot of similarities in these types and shadows number one there's no longer physical tents that we go to but now our lives have become the tent of God that the Holy Spirit now dwells in us our lives have become the tabernacle of God on the earth so it's moved from attending meetings to being our life and then we speak about altars and I really believe that Our heart is very much an altar for the Lord, that we constantly are coming before the Lord in this tent of life that He's given us, saying, Lord, I sacrifice on the altar of my life whatever doesn't please you. But also, what's the fire? Well, in the Old Testament, they had a fire that was made by man that burned continually for sacrifices to be made. But in the New Testament, Again, I believe that God has placed that fire in our hearts. The fire of God, which is the fire of the Holy Spirit, now burns on the altar of our heart in the tent of our life. Can you see how I'm looking at the old and bringing it into reference of the new? Now... I love uh, Pentecost. I love celebrating the weekend of Pentecost, but I've also purposed in my heart that I'm going to live in Pentecost not just every weekend, but every day. What do I mean by that? But I acknowledge in Pentecost that God gave his spirit to not just walk with man, but to live in man. And one of the types of the Holy Spirit in our life, often people refer to the Holy Spirit as the dove, and they're returning to that aspect of him being peace and gentleness. Sometimes he's compared to oil. And other times, the Holy Spirit, who's now living in us, is compared to fire. Now, in the day of Pentecost, when we read in the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says they were in an upper room, and then tongues of fire... The room was filled with fire and tongues of fire came on the life of each person there. And we know that they were baptized and saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit, which meant the fire of God didn't just fill the room or the place of meeting, but it came to dwell in their hearts and live upon the altar of their life, which meant that the same problem that there was in the Old Testament in some ways was now present in the new. What was that? A requirement to keep the fire burning bright now let me just say when we're in the new testament new covenant believers the holy spirit never leaves us or forsakes us so in many ways the fire never actually goes out but come on we can allow it to grow dim when it's not meant to be dim, it's meant to be a raging flame within us. But in the Old Testament, because the fire was maintained by man, there was every opportunity of it going out. So God gave instruction in the book of Leviticus, how the priest had to keep the fire burning. And he mentions a sacrifice that I wanna share with you in a few moments. But let's look at this together. Leviticus chapter six, and it's all about Offerings, the grain offering, the guilt offering, the sin offering, the fellowship offerings. But I want to pick up on verse 8 of Leviticus chapter 6 to see a couple of things concerning not the altar of the Old Testament, but the altar of our heart, not the fire of the Old Testament, but now the fire of the Spirit, now living in our daily lives, the tent of our daily lives. <clears throat> now it says in verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons this command. They were priests of the old covenant, the old tent. He said, "Give them this command, there are regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning. And the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The fire, I want you to hang on to that verse. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body. He remove the ashes of the burnt offering from the night before that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Verse 11. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on other clothes, carry the ashes outside of the camp. All of these things are relevant to our salvation experience. But I want to get to a certain point in this verse. It says... <clears throat> It must not go out. That's the second time in this passage of Scripture. He said, the fire must never go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn, listen to this, burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. You've got to remove what was burnt the night before and then put the fat of the fellowship offering on it. And then he says again in verse 13, The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously, and the fire must never be allowed to go out. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. There was a problem in the Old Testament, but once the fire was lit, the fire needed to be kept burning. Man did this by adding wood. The priest of that day would add wood and make sure that the fire had what it needed to keep burning. Now, when we look at ourselves today, there's some similarities, some types and shadows. They would use wood, they would use wind flow, and they would use sacrifice. So they'd use wood. They'd put wood on the fire because, like it says in the Bible, if there's no wood, the fire goes out. Now, that's relative to gossip, but the principle remains the true: Where there's no wood, the fire goes out. So they would put wood on the fire, and then, I don't know if they got a, an old-time bin lid, but they would use wind or a flow of wind to cause the flames to bite into the wood. And then they would put sacrifices on the fire, and the fat of the sacrifice would cause the flames to respond. Now, when we look at our lives today as New Testament, New Covenant believers, we still have a commitment to put wood on the fire. What am I talking about? The wood of the word. Now, it says in Colossians 3.16 that we're to let the word of God dwell in us richly. To me, I see a wood burning fire and I see a pile of wood next to the wood burner and a person regularly taking the wood and feeding the wood burner, that maintaining that the wood burner would never go out in our home. In the same way, the word of God is to be the word of God that we're constantly reading, thinking about, because the word of God's word feeds the fire of God that is lit within us. Also, I believe in doing things like praying in the Holy Spirit and having fellowship with the Holy Spirit is a fantastic way of causing the flames within us to not grow dim, but to stay alight. In 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, fan into flame the gift of God that you receive from the laying on of hands. You see, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, when we pray and walk with a knowledge and a confidence that the Holy Spirit is with us, when we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, it's like we're fanning the flame of God within us, that's the wood of the word and causing heat and a burning fire on the altar of our hearts. That's what God desires for us. Now, Our fire doesn't go out, like I said, because Jesus said he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. But I really believe, like I said, that sometimes Christians can allow their fire to grow dim when they shouldn't because they don't live in the word of God. They don't spend time in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So they don't fan into flame the fire of God, that Pentecost fire that's in their hearts have you ever met a dim Christian? That's an interesting question. Where you meet a Christian then you think, they're dim. And I'm not talking about their education or their academic ability. I'm talking about, they're just not passionate about God. They just walk around like the frozen chosen, miserable, moaning, grumbling, saying God's let them down. There's no fire. There's no, come on, he's alive, he's risen. Anything can happen. God is still the God of the impossible. We want to be a people who are on fire for God, who have hearts on fire for Jesus. <clears throat> now... Here's another similarity. Both a fire in the natural and the fire of our heart will respond to fat. Now, we're in barbecue season here in England. And if you've got a barbecue, you know that if you buy lean meat with no fat, you can cook a good burger or you can cook a good bit of meat. But the fire doesn't respond like it responds when you put fatty meat on. Why? because when the meat begins to heat and the fat begins to drip through the flames that love the wood and love the wind say i love a good bit of fat i love a good bit of fat fires respond to fat now fires respond somewhat to lean meat but fires really respond to fat maybe you're watching this thinking where is he going with this message well stay with me we are heading somewhere but i really believe it's quite powerful now When you put fat on the fire, don't you love the smell of fat? Maybe you're a vegetarian today and this moment of the meeting is a terrible moment for you. I can only apologise, I'm using it as an analogy today. But for any meat eaters out there, when the smell of fat begins to fill the garden when we're barbecuing, oh, there's a good smell to it, makes you hungry. It's a delight to the nostrils. Well, in many ways... God has a lovely sense of loving the smell of burning fat. Now, let me just begin to qualify in a few moments what I mean by fat. But just like we love the smell of fat being put on the fire, the barbecue, God loves the smell of fat being put on the fire, but in a different way. Now, we've spoken about this offering that was different called the fellowship offering or the peace offering is another way that it's termed. And this was a fat offering. You didn't put the meat on or the just that meat that was fatless on in this offering. Instead, you put the fat on. The day before, you would trim off the fat, and then you would offer the lean meat as a sacrifice. Actually, the priest partook in the eating of this offering. You can study that and see that that's true. But the fat that was kept from the night before, in the morning, the Lord said, in the morning, clean off the altar and put the fat on the altar. He says, it's the fat of the fellowship offering. So the priest would change his clothes a few times. You read that. He would come back, stoke the fire, and then he would put the fat on the fire when the night before they'd cooked the lean meat. They'd taken the lamb apart. They'd had all the bits, cooked the lean meat. And another thing that was unique about this offering was it was an offering that was shared between God, the priests, and the offering priest of the day. The meat of this offering, a fellowship offering in the Old Testament, didn't go completely to God. If you read about it, the priests would eat the meat and the lean meat, and then they would sacrifice the fat of the animal to the Lord. There were many other offerings where they did different things involving grain and meat. But this one offering called the fellowship offering was actually a moment where God shared The moment with the priest and with the priest who was offering that's interesting isn't it it was always done in the morning but another key aspect about this offering was it was a free will offering and that's what makes it in many ways still remain for us today all the other offerings they were commanded demanded expected Yet this offering, the fellowship offering in um, Leviticus chapter 6, was termed a free will offering. A person chose to do it. Often they would choose to do it if they were in a season of pushing into God. They would choose to do it if they'd completed a vow, like a Nazarite vow. And it was a moment where they said, of our free will, we choose to put fat on the fire. Stay with me, we're heading somewhere. And they would sacrifice the fat on the fire to be a pleasing smell in the nostrils of God. All right, let's bring this together a little bit today. Like I said, it was a smell that pleased God. And my comparison from this type and shadow isn't so much the fat of an animal, but the flesh of our life. Now, underneath this shirt, there's an element of fat. I've got to own up. Maybe that shocked some of you. No, surely you're solid muscle. No, don't want to break any of your illusions. There's a bit of fat under this shirt and I could kind of grab it. Now, that would be fat naturally to my body. But the Bible often speaks of something else called flesh. Now, flesh isn't my skin suit. It's actually that part of me that was in existence and controlling my life before the Holy Spirit came to take residence, authority, and control of who I was. Up to the moment when I was born again and you were born again, we were led by the flesh. We were very much led by the flesh. But when we're born again, suddenly the Holy Spirit comes to live in us like a fire within our lives. And what I believe we could look at from these verses is number one, God wants us to have a burning fire in our hearts that comes from living our lives in the Word of God, having the wood of God's Word. He wants us walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, where we're spending intimate time with the Holy Spirit. And as we do, it's like we're fanning the flames of God's fire within us. But also, I believe that God would have us to be putting the flesh of who we are on the spiritual fire of who he is within us remember our life is the tent our heart is the altar the fire of God the fire of God's spirit is now burning in our lives now I want to turn to the book of Romans I haven't got a bookmark so stay with me here as I turn to the book of Romans this is live really happening now book of Romans chapter 8 because it speaks very much about our flesh So Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading in verse 9. Now remember, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about that part of our life that can be in rebellion to God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, again in chapter 8, that in the flesh there's no good thing. That often our flesh can be that part of us that wants to sin the sin nature of our life was dealt with when we became a new creation yet still in us there can be this desire to do things that we know don't please god and i'm talking about pride arrogance lack of kindness whole bunch of things that's what we could term in our lives the flesh in our life yet the bible says we're no longer to live to please the flesh but rather live to please the Spirit. That we're to take those things of who we are that are very fleshly, they're very human nature-driven, they're an expression of the person we used to be, not the person we now are, and we're to be offering those things on the fire of God, the Spirit of God, that now burns within us. Romans 8, let me read from verse 9. It picks up on this thought. You, however that's you and me, are no longer in the realm or the rulership of the flesh, but are now in the realm or under the rulership of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit now gives you life because of righteousness. Listen, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of the spirit who lives in you, the presence of God's fire within you. Verse 12. Therefore, this meaning this, Brothers and sisters, we have no longer got an obligation. We know we do have an obligation, but no longer to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh and what the flesh wants, it will always end in death. But if by the Spirit you now put to death the misdeeds or the wrongdoings of the flesh, you will live. Let's bring this message together. you are now the tent of god your heart is the altar of god on your heart burns the fire of god the holy spirit and god wants us to be putting the word of god on he wants us to be fanning into flame the fire he's placed within us but also he wants us to be constantly mortifying ourselves or putting our flesh to death by cutting the fat of who we are. Those attitudes, those things that we once delighted in that don't please God, daily bringing them to a fire that never goes out and putting that flesh, that fat of who we are, on the fire as a sacrifice. And the pleasing smell of the fat or the flesh of who we are rises to the nostrils of God and brings a delight to his heart. Just like you, when you're walking around the garden and you smell the smell of burning fat. When God sees us saying, I don't want to live by the flesh. I don't want to be governed by the flesh. I don't want to live to Uh, fulfill the desires of the flesh i'm putting it on the fire now holy spirit you be my leadership you govern my choices you determine what i do you you let me do what pleases the father lord i want my life to be hebrew uh, romans again a living sacrifice i want to be a living sacrifice where i'm daily recognizing things that are fat or flesh and saying, I don't want these things in my life anymore. These are remnant things to the sinner I once was. They're not true to the righteous man I now am. So God, I thank you that I put these things on the fire also. Remember, the Bible says that we are being changed from glory to glory into the likeness of Christ himself. But when we see him, we will be like him. How does that happen? When a a person purposes to live in the Word, walk in fellowship with the Spirit, and also as the Holy Spirit identifies fleshly living in their world, we bring that and place it as a sacrifice on the fire of God, which is His Spirit, that now burns in us. What does that do for us? It leads us deeper and deeper into the plans that God's got for us and the blessing that's in his heart that he longs to pour upon our lives. I hope that's made sense today. Come on, let's be a people who are on fire for God with hearts that are on fire, hearts that say, come on, if fleshly thinking is found in me, let's have a barbecue and please the nostrils of God. God bless you. Have a great week.